1: To find out if it's right for you,
0: Ruby Frankie was known by millions as a very tough mom. That's exactly the way she wanted it. The social media star amassed a huge following of supporters and detractors alike, preaching the values of strict discipline. But you'll learn in a new podcast available exclusively on Wondery Plus how the small empire built by this mom influencer crumbled the moment her 12 year old son escaped their home and called 911. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts.
2: Well come here, listen, you stuck for any old nappies yeah. new nappies or that, no? If you want there, I'll bring you up a few. Should stick one in two <laughs> we should honestly God, we should go for a little walk one of the days on and uh, sort things out, no? Yeah, yeah, but come here uh, I wouldn't be pushing a the chair, get one of them electric you
1: let, not? let me stay in the ah, Yes! Mm-hmm. That's only the start of it! That's only the start of it! That's only the
3: start, of Robbie. I'm Nicola Tallent, and you're listening to Crime World, a podcast about criminals, drugs and the sins of the underworld in Ireland and across the globe. It's just three years since a hitman attempted to murder gang boss Owen Maguire, leaving him paralysed and dividing a town's underworld into two feuding mobs intent on wiping each other out for good. Since then, six assassination attempts, four brutal murders including the torture and dismemberment of teenager Keen Mulready Woods, and a huge Garda effort to protect communities in the front line has turned Drogheda into a town under siege. So why has such an explosion of violence happened in an ordinary commuter town? Today, I'm talking to Irish independent crime correspondent, Ken Foy, about the origins of the Drogheda feud, about the murder probes which have netted some of the key players, about the social media taunts which have deepened the hatred between the rival sides, and about the fears that a new generation is now rising from the ashes of war. This is Crime World Extra, a podcast from sundayworld.com. Ken, in July 2018, there was an attempted murder in Drogheda in County Louth, which has kick-started a feud, which for somewhere outside Dublin is just so significant and probably was only ever rivaled in Limerick before this. So, who was Owen Maguire and and what happened that July day? Well Owen
2: Maguire was was the leader I suppose the de facto leader of a of a gang of almost 100 criminals. Um he'd been a long term for the target for the Gardaí and the Criminal Assets Bureau and basically this gang were heavily involved in the dis- distribu- distributing drugs throughout uh, counties Loud and Meade and they were f- very lucrative um it was a very lucrative business for them but a, a split began in that gang um earlier in 2018 and um after a number of kind of uh, incidents of intimidation and and some assaults and and a bit of damage to property there was an attempt made to murder Earl McGuire. um it was a miracle really he survived he was shot multiple times the chief suspect for doing it would be um, gangland serial killer Robbie Lawler, who has been s- since shot dead himself as part of the same dispute. But um, mm. Mm. Maguire was left paralysed after uh, surviving the assassination attempt, and basically this was the first or the most serious incident that has led to, to the drop the feud, um, in which there has now been four murders and six attempted murders, and literally hundreds of violent incidents.
3: So did anyone ever get to the bottom of exactly what that incident was that caused them to split? Or is it just one of these situations that something started to fester, you know, accusations over touting money, the usual?
2: Well, well, money seems to be a factor. The, with, uh, the faction, I suppose, for legal reasons, we've always called them the anti mcguire faction because be, hmm. because we haven't legally been able to name some of the leaders of that particular gang. They had quite close links to a number of uh, very senior North Dublin criminals. Who um, s- some of these criminals were actually based themselves in the Drott- the Drottaday area. Others are still based around Coolock and Donemead. And it's it, what's happened is it seems that um, it's, I suppose the Dublin criminals were in the years of the the criminals, and and were basically saying, lads, you, you can you can do this um, on your own. You don't need um, to, this." Uh, I suppose traveller uh, gang who who were being basically accused of bullying the younger, more volatile, Drogheda criminals. So um, the Drogheda, um gang that uh, ended up falling out with Maguire um, had very close links to these Dublin criminals as well.
3: And no doubt greed comes into that because Maguire would, of course, have been taking his cut of everything that happened in Drogheda. Um So cutting out a middleman or anyone seen as being, um, you know, making money on the backs of others is always part and parcel of of organised crime. Now, Drogheda is a town of, I think, a population of about 100,000, which I think is similar also to Limerick's population. But it's a very, it's a real commuter town. It's probably a town with a lot of money, you know, given that a lot of, uh, you, have a, you have a lot of young couples have moved in. Uh, there's been new housing. It's a town that's really built up and it's got a lot going for it. It's, it's um, a great commuter spot for either Belfast or Dublin. Um, plenty of housing. And, uh, you know, it's pretty hinterland there. You've got the coast to one side of it and, um, you know, nice walks and all the rest of it. So an attractive place to live. But it just seems to have this disproportionate amount of criminality and criminals. And I think um, you mentioned that the own Maguire faction had, what, 100 members? I mean, that's, that's a really large grouping. Yes, I guess,
2: while well, you are talking, Droughton is actually Ireland's largest town in terms of population. Mm. And as you rightly described there, Nicola, its geographical location being close both to Dublin and Belfast um, with, with the motorway network that we have now, has m- made it basically a place where um, the drugs business was particularly lucrative. Um, it's a big mm. town. It's, it's close enough to um, Dundalk as well, another very big town. And um, it's also very close to County Mead. So uh, the gangs that basically control the drugs trade in Drotida, um have a massive patch, a massive patch, extending all the way back down to the north side of Dublin and all around Meade and as well the the whole county of Loud.
3: Mm. So that is enormous. Now, Owen Maguire was in hospital for a long time, recovering from those very serious injuries and, you know, had some long-term injuries from it. But I think what we all sat up and noticed firstly when it came to this feud was the taunting that was going on on social media and a lot of this feuding and rows around these two gangs has basically been played out on social media there was there was one particular incident that uh, uh, was well shared where a rival criminal rang up Maguire I think he might have been in hospital at the time and started you know taunting him about his injuries that was a Shocking piece of social media. I remember actually, you showing me that in the office at the time. I came in the door and you showed you showed me um, the thing, and I was I was very taken aback.
2: Were you yourself? Well, I, I was. I suppose when you hear it, um, you have a, a big, you know, a main player in the anti maguire faction, uh, Paul Crosby, who's currently facing murder charges, actually. But um, he, the viciousness of the phone call where. He's bas- basically mocking old Maguire for being uh, paralysed. There's um, kind of s- p- p- sexual uh, taunts. It's, it's a, it really shows a real deep level of hatred. And it's, it's that kind of, when you get to hear that, I suppose it is shocking. But it's also a reason why the Gardaí will say that um, even though, you know, things have eased off a lot, and draw, uh, that the, the feud will never end um, because of that level of hatred. There's no going back from that.
3: No, it's kind of more an emotional thing than, um, you know, certain certain gangland crimes and murders are very clinical. They're carried out and you never know or hear from any individuals involved in it. You know, the murder will remain completely unsolved and you've no idea where the hitman came from or where he went. But in this case, they really were fighting it out publicly, as well as everything, and... Um, the next significant thing that happened, correct me if I'm wrong, is the murder of Keith Brannigan in August of 2019 at a, a, a caravan park.
2: Yes, um, this, was the first, this was the first murder in the feud. It's, it remains unsolved. Um, no one has ever been uh, charged in relation to it. The chief suspects are the um, old Maguire gang. Um, the victim, Mr. Brannigan, was a v- very much a low-level member of the anti-Maguire faction. And it's, it seems that um, he was kind of a, a, a very easy target. And it was, you know, it, this was the Maguire gang just laying down a marker um, mm. that that they, if they get the opportunity, they're going to go and, and murder um, somebody. So um, the, the particular murder led to even more violence then in the weeks ahead, weeks and months ahead in, on the streets of Drottada.
3: And in particular, I think in in November of that year, just some months later, when Richie Carberry was shot dead. Now, Richie Carberry was a major player in in gangland crime for a long time.
2: Yes, Richie Carberry would have been one of, um, I suppose, they, one of the more more senior uh, drug dealers in, in the entire country. Originally from um, the Coolock area of Dublin, he was living in Betty's Town. He was heavily aligned to the anti-McGuire faction, um, and he he was also involved in a number of very serious criminal disputes in Dublin um he was the brother-in-law of Robbie Lawler who was um, due to get out of prison only a, a few weeks um after um Richie was shot dead and i i think they it, it, the criminals that were involved in this were basically um not only trying to take Richie Carberry out but also trying to lay down a a marker for Robbie Lawler um who, who apparently went ballistic in prison on finding out um, what had happened. He's he's very close associate.
3: So they were trying to weaken that side before Lawler came out as well. I mean, essentially, seriously weaken it. And Lawler would have been somebody that um, was feared, even amongst the violent individuals that inhabit gangland. Lawler really stood out, didn't he?
2: Um, yeah, well, absolutely psychotic is, is the description that some people have have said about him. And, you know, he was he was chief suspect for um, at least three uh, unsolved murders in Dublin um, before he was uh, eventually locked up and then subsequently um, killed after, because of his involvement in this feud. But he was somebody that caused a huge amount of fear um, mm. and he had a massive criminal pedigree.
3: And again... On social media, and we should say, by the way, that I I, I recall after the murder again of Richie Carberry that you seemed to be almost standing alone, realizing what was to come and how significant that murder was and how it was going to be avenged at all costs. Um, when Robbie Lawler was released from prison, there was another sort of social media incident that uh, went viral. And Lawler was coming out of a city centre gym, and a group of young guys approached him, took his gym bag off him, taunted him a bit, and made a bit of a fool of him, didn't they? Um, and again, this was this was a kind of a call to war by by these young, chaotic, um, cocaine fueled thugs that were inhabiting this 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 world and this feud. Well,
2: Robbie did not take very kindly to that at all. And the, the, the uh, particular video you're talking about actually caused, it was around Christmas time, caused the Gardie huge concern in relation. They could see kind of something serious was going to blow up here. And um, Lawler himself uh, was given official advice by Gardie, who called to his home about an of threat against his life. And this was coming from... Um, Cornelius Price, who who was one of, um, the clo- I suppose, a, a right-hand man of Owen Maguire. Um, Price and Lawler had already had a big row when we were both serving jail time 18 months earlier in Cork Prison. And um, things were really, really heating up. Um, lo- uh, the criminal, I suppose, that so we nicknamed Mr. Big, was also um, gunning for Lawler. Um, and the situation, as I suppose, it, you know, Christmas turned into the new year was there was major concern about um, serious bloodshed going to happen. And unfortunately, that's exactly what happened, you
3: know, within a couple of weeks of um, the start of uh, 2020. Now, Lawler, at this point, would have been the very top of the anti-Maguire faction. Am I right in saying that?
2: Well, he he certainly would have. Because of his fearsome reputation, this is a man that, you know... was suspected of killing a number of people and uh, his very volatile nature. Um, the anti Maguire faction were delighted to have him around Rotterdam, shoving his weight around. People were genuinely afraid of him.
3: So, w- which brings us to, as you say, there's the his release from prison, the tensions with the Richie Carberry murder, the tensions that had been growing within prison before he was released. You have Cornelius Price out and siding with the injured Owen Maguire, um And then in the January of that year, probably the most shocking crime I think we have seen in possibly the history of gangland in Ireland, when a 17-year-old boy was abducted and murdered. Yes, the
2: the murder of Keane, Mulready Woods, is truly one of the most shocking murders. It, It generated international headlines. There was journalists over here from the UK, you, you know, a, a load of them. It, it, it was truly a shocking murder. The, the fact that um, these criminals dismembered his body and different different parts of his body were dumped at different locations. It really was horrific. Just
3: remind us, Ken, just remind us exactly what happened because it was, I mean, he had first been reported missing, is that right, by his family?
2: That That's correct. Um, and it's suspected that he was lured to a house in Ratmullen Park um, where he was um, stabbed to death and then his body was dismembered. Um, Gardy had received information that certain um, body parts uh, belonging to the unfortunate teenager were to be delivered to the compound of Cornelius Price, it, which is in Gormanston in, in County Mead, um, But because of the, I suppose, the increased guard activity that happened, the criminals got spooked and that actual part of Keane's body, his torso, was only discovered, it was buried on waste ground earlier this year. Um, Other Mm -hmm. body parts were dumped near one of uh, Robbie Lawler's rivals, um, who's suspected being involved in a video there where Lawler was taunted. Um, And then other body parts were discovered uh, near Croke Park, so it was really, it was a horrendous situation.
3: I think his, his limbs were found in a, in a hold-all bag at Moatview Gardens in Coolock, and two days later the head and hands were found in the back of a burning car in Ballybock and as you say the torso was found later in, in March in Wasteland. Now since then, and that murder did shock the nation, I mean there was, there was calls for crackdowns on crime, I think um, you know People stood up, politicians and law enforcers realized that there was a major problem in Drahada that really needed extra funding, extra manpower, and this situation was an emergency one. Um, since then there have been there's been a huge investigation into that murder. And I think you were writing there a couple of weeks ago that in total, to date, 13 suspects have been arrested. Um, just tell us about the investigation and where it's got to at this stage.
2: It's been a massive investigation, yeah. There's been 13 arrests and three three men have been charged in relation to the murder. Two of those men uh, will face trial at the non-jury special criminal court. Um, mm. it, it, a trial that probably won't happen until the latter end of next year. Um, there's, there's been, a, a, I suppose, a constant series of arrests and what, I suppose, the latest about it is there, there had often been a, a feeling that maybe just the murder itself had, had, was a drug-fueled situation where um, the psychotic criminals just went out of control in an orgy of extreme violence. But the, la- the latest developments really indicate there was an arre- a recent arrest, and this man was arrested basically because Gardy were able to uh, identify that he had bought phones uh, for at least two of the suspects that are suspected of being involved in it. So this, Nicola, shows that rather than being, a, I suppose, a, an, an orgy of extreme violence, we, you know, mm. it, this was something that was actually planned. They, they, um, there, there was planning behind this murder of this young teenager who had only very small links to um, the, the Maguire faction.
3: And his, his, his age, of course, has been the most horrifying thing of it all. But interestingly you can see that the guards are going at this investigation in a way that is nearly becoming a blueprint now for gangland murders. Um, And we've seen it in some of the hutch Kinahan feud murders and the trials that have happened subsequent to it, where you have people facing charges for supplying the phones, for supplying the cars, for maybe operating as a lookout, um, so all aspects of it. I think there was a, a, a phrase used in one of the cases that there, there was one finger on the trigger, but many hands on the gun. So it's that idea that it takes a kind of a murder cell to actually either commit a murder or even attempt one, that there's more than just one or two people involved in it and that every single one of them will be gone after in the same way by the guards now the region up there is being headed up by um Chief Superintendent Christy Mangan, who's been around a long time. And I think at one point was in the drugs unit. He certainly served time in Crumlin. Um, Christy is somebody that's known by by lots of people because he's 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 quite an outspoken cop, isn't he? And I think he has um you know he has really fought for extra resources up there to help try and police this feud. But he's also tried to reach out to the community all the while that these um, murders and this chaos is happening. And he's tried to reassure the community. In particular, we're seeing a huge amount of reports of this low-level crime, which is the intimidation of people for drug deaths, um, which is obviously funding the violence up the up the rungs of the ladder. But as part and parcel of all that, you have terrified parents who are being intimidated beyond anything they could imagine and, and and they're being put in fear to pay up money that they have no guarantee will be accepted as actually a settled bill. And I think that the the police in Drahad have been very active to try and reassure the community to come to them, to talk to them, and to let them help deal with these sort of situations.
2: Yes. Super Superintendent Mangan is a vastly experienced uh, police officer and um he certainly has put all that experience to very good use in terms of how he's led the, the policing effort in Drotida. Um It's almost an open-door policy he has with the community, and um, he's always he's, he's played it straight as well. There's been no sugarcoating what he's had to deal with. But, they, you know, we spoke there about the, the murder investigation, but it, even last year in Drotida, um 98 people were arrested for Section 15 drug dealing which is a phenomenal amount of people. Um, and so far this year, uh, 62, 62 people have been arrested for serious drug dealing. Um, for a, you know, a town in Leinster, that's, they're amazing figures. But um, yeah, the, the policing effort, it's, I suppose the feud itself has been relatively quiet, especially now this calendar year. Some of the main players are abroad, including two brothers who'd be considered the, the leaders of the anti-Maguire faction. They, they first fled to... Uh, to Mexico, where they spent a number of months, but Guard Intelligence indicates that they're, they're now in Spain. They can't be named because they're facing very serious feud-related charges. But the guards um, have also pointed out, and I think they're basically indicating that, that these brothers are still active, they're still involved in uh, the supply of drugs into the town from Spain, even though there's warrants out for their arrests.
3: And not to put you on the spot, Ken, I know there's, um, you know, you have to be careful what you say about them and you can't name them, but what's their background? Like, where did they come from? How did they, they're, they're only still young, the two of them, aren't they? They
2: are, I suppose, They like lots of things. They, they're from Drotida. Um, they're, they're both still in their 20s. Um, they they be, would have been known to Gardaí, you know, for, I suppose, violent offences, also minor offences as teenagers. And just in the drug dealing world, they... Um, they became stronger and stronger, and they were a very i suppose pivotal in this whole in this split between the gangs back in uh, twi- in the in the gang rather uh, back in two thousand and eighteen mm. and um in the aftermath of keen Mulready woods murder when there was a lot of heat on the gangs you know there was national units up and draw these these lads felt they the best option was for them and their girlfriends to flee flee the country
3: and they obviously had the funds to do that and to support themselves abroad all this time. Now, of course, we have to go back slightly to April of 2020, just four months after the horrific discovery of Cian Mulready Woods remains, when Robbie Lawler took a trip up to Belfast and uh, he never came back.
2: Yes, well, um, there's two people that charged in an North in relation to this, but um, it was one of the investigation into it is still very much ongoing and it's it seems to be mm. um, one of the most tangled webs in the in the entire history of gangland in terms of the amount of different gangs that are suspected to having active involvement in it. And this, of course, does include the Maguire faction, but it also cl- includes their associates in the Limerick-McCarty-Dundon uh, gang. So um, it was a massive tangled web.
3: Yeah, and one that's kind of, uh, we can't go... Totally into yet we will hopefully in the future because it it, it you know it's like a a work of fiction. Um, sometimes it's hard to believe what you're hearing about us that that it could possibly be true. There's there's sort of all sorts of uh, double crosses and everything involved in it, but nonetheless, Robbie Lawler was murdered in April of 2020, and he would have remained the chief suspect for organising and uh being involved in the murder of Keane Mulready Woods didn't live to stand trial but nonetheless the guards believe that he was very much involved in that
2: yeah it's if he if he hadn't been murdered in Belfast it's very likely um Robbie Lauder would be in custody now charged with the with the murder of Keane Mulready Woods
3: and finally Ken what's going on now so the the kind of the the most aggressive of the tensions has depleted because you were writing that there's, there's um, dozens of, of people now behind bars, you know, they're either facing charges or they're in on, 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 on other things. So there's a lot of them being taken off the streets. You have the two main protagonists in the anti-Maguire faction abroad. Um, but, you know, there is seems to be warnings that there's the next generation coming up already.
2: Yes, well, Gardy. Uh, uh, um, gave a bit of a briefing last week, and they, one thing's for certain, they're they're not becoming complacent, you know, because there's still younger associates of, of both factions in the town. As I was saying about all those 62 uh, seizures for serious or arrests for serious drug dealing already this year, it just you know there where there's um, a demand for drugs, which there will, always will be. Um, these people are are going to be there to supply it or to attempt to supply it, and with that comes money. And the power that they have and the violence associated with
3: it. So it's still it's still something where the tensions are still bubbling under the surface there, and obviously police and drahad are very much aware of the fact that this could could explode again at any time. Well, Ken, let's come back to this when we can talk freer about other aspects of this feud because it is whatever else an absolutely fascinating. Uh, story of gangland crime and um, as some of these things go through the courts we can we can talk about them more more freer. so for the moment Ken Foy thank you very much thanks Nicola You've been listening to Crime World a podcast from sundayworld.com produced by Ian Mullaney and edited by me Nicola Talent If you like the podcast and love true crime Why not download the free Sundayworld.com app for lots more stories from Ireland and across the globe.
0: Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take The Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on,